The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Do you know what day it is? Sunday. And it I don't want to say... I don't want to say what the other day what it is because that was clearly made up by somebody in order to sell uh, cards. Well, it is the day cards. that we commemorate the brutal torture and murder of some guy who lived several centuries ago that most of us don't remember why he's famous. Um, Isn't he martyred? Uh, he was martyred. Um, yeah, okay. For, and uh, now we celebrate it by giving each other uh, chocolate and flowers. Spectacular. Okay. Um, you know, it's it's the ultimate procuma- proclamation of, uh, you know, deep love and please, baby, don't hurt me. Um, sort of like <laughs> one of the stories that we're going to talk about today. Okay. Uh, because, you know... <clears throat> We all know that there are certain signs things might be going wrong in the NHL. Going certain wrong in little, the NHL. tiny, barely noticeable things. What could be going wrong in the NHL? Well, I think that's a marvelous question, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And, and I think that we might, maybe, unless we're over-interpreting things, have a clue when we – Number one, look at the standings for the North, a.k.a. Canadian division. And B, read the statement of uh, of uh, the uh, Vancouver Canucks owner who's uh, playing oh, the part okay. of Jadakiss. Yeah, uh, that one or is – Montana. That one is, is – uh, I don't know quite how to phrase that one, uh, the, the whole kiss of death thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we all know how that one goes. But it does fit into the whole, you know, motif, I guess. You know, Valentine, kiss of death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a Sullivan fired. Oh, my goodness. Yes, yes, there was a Sullivan fired. And it genuinely surprised me. Um, and it, it caught, it, I had to do a double take when I first saw it because all I saw was. The headline was just Sullivan fired, and I went, what? Who? Oh, wait, not that one. And, of course, there's more than ore uh, in store. I don't know if we're I don't know if we're going to get anything. Uh, the Sullivan that was fired, however, another former player, just like Mike, uh, Steve Sullivan, was the assistant GM for the Phoenix or Arizona Coyotes. Although I love the, the headline that says Phoenix Coyotes fire Steve Sullivan. Mm-hmm. This is ESPN, four-letter network, and they're the, the – Worldwide leader. Worldwide leader, Associated Press, Phoenix Coyotes fire Steve Sullivan. They haven't been the Phoenix Coyotes for – Three, four years. years. Yeah. <laughs> and, then in the, and then in the first sentence, it says the Arizona Coyotes have fired gentlemen. Um, oops. <laughs> And I didn't even notice that until just now. And so it, that isn't even the whole plan. It, it was just the fact that Steve Sullivan, who played one year for Arizona, and back then it was Phoenix, uh, and he was hired in 2014 by Cheka. Uh, 
promoted to assistant GM in, in 2017, was named interim last year when Cheka left the team. And now he's being fired. No details. No, not seeking a replacement. So, and, and that's fine. If you're eliminating the position, you eliminate the position. But you fired the guy and you're not going to give any other details except to say that we're not seeking a replacement. <laughs> he probably told the owners they were wrong. Oh, okay. Yeah, saying, telling the owners what they don't want to hear is probably a good way to find yourself being escorted to the doorway with a box in your hand. Eh, eh sometimes it's worth it. Been there, done that. He played 16 seasons in the NHL. Uh, he was a, a bit of a journeyman. Uh, Toronto, Chicago, Nashville, Pittsburgh, Arizona. Two stints with the Devils. Apparently, uh, the word masochist comes to mind. Um, although, back then, they actually were better than they are now. So, maybe not so much. Sorry to see you go. I uh, wish you Didn't luck in know you were there. endeavors, Steve. Who? Didn't know he was there. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, wow, he story. got in. He actually got in over a thousand NHL games and was a better player than I remember him as. Um, Steve Sullivan. Uh, he won the uh, Masterton in two thousand eight nine. Played from ninety five ninety six all the way through twelve thirteen. Mom. Uh. 1,011 games, 747 points. Not terrible. No, not at all. Uh, but, that said. Uh, that, that said, he's out of a job, and uh, he's on the market. So anybody looking, uh, Steve Sullivan's available. He'll land, some, he'll land somewhere before the start of next season. I mean, uh, you learned he, he he was under arguably whether you like what the way that John handled himself in Arizona, whether you didn't like it. Uh, John is a pretty solid GM, uh, in my opinion. I mean, no, the team didn't win a Stanley Cup under him. OK, fine. It's harder to do than you think. They were essentially bankrupt for almost his entire tenure. <laughs> It's only in the last year or two that they've been spending up close to, to close to the cap, and spending to the cap in real money and not in and not in guys who are yeah because they <laughs> who have been out where, for a while yeah they brought in they, I mean they trade for Datsu just so that they can get to the cap floor you know yes. that type of thing so I mean you learned under Cheka I can't imagine that he's got any kind of negative anything against him at this point so. Maybe yeah, Seattle I'm sure will he'll pick him up. That's a possibility, yeah, sure. I mean, we're getting closer to uh, the the start of their real existence. There's no, <clears throat> there's absolutely no reason not to pick up good talent who has been part of you know growing from in very difficult circumstances. Yeah, it's going to be very real. We'll have 32 teams and. Nobody in the North will not have to. Uh, that being said, there's still only seven teams in Canada. So depending on where, <laughs> where do you where do you stick Seattle? Do you kind of slide them into the North? Do you kind of <laughs> unless you go back to your ordinary Atlantic Metro. <laughs> starting next season, we go back to the old divisions again. Almost certainly, that's what will happen. 
if uh, the vaccinations hit um, hit critical mass. Okay, so we had Sullivan fired, and sorry to see him go. Uh, let's uh, let's take a look at the Vancouver story. Um, <laughs> oh yes, more 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 love and and love and love and, and kisses spread around here. <clears throat> now, most of most of our listeners have been following the NHL for at least a while. Uh, Aquilini uh, came out and did the thing that should terrify. Anyone who likes uh, at least the general trend of what's going on in Vancouver. He said, I have full confidence in Jim, Travis, and this group. I have no plans to make changes. Which tells Um, me that Jim and Travis already have suitcases ready to go. Have you ever heard? Have you ever heard? Have you ever heard an owner say, "I have full confidence," and then in the within the next, I don't know, week or two, the targeted um, personnel that were stated as "I have full confidence in" were not seeking new employment? Uh, nope, nope, nope. And let's take a look at those Vancouver Canucks. They have played eighteen games, which is more than almost anyone. Uh, I mean, yeah, just by comparison, no one in the entire East Con- Eastern Division has played more than 14. Um, no one in the Central has played more than 16. Um, so they've had a hard schedule. But they are seven wins, 11 losses, mm-hmm. a .389 points percentage, and their goal differential is minus 13. So in those, even with the seven wins, they're only winning by a small amount or small margins. And you know what? On paper, I would be really, 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 really frustrated. Did I think that last summer's uh, pretend offs play was a little bit of just a little bit ahead of where the team probably is on paper uh, or ahead of and, expectations. And, and, oh, absolutely. They, they are a young team. Yes. And they actually placed Louis Erickson on waivers uh, in the meantime as well. So uh, they had uh, just to get him down to the taxi squad. But I mean, their, their penalty I, kill isn't the worst. They're 13th. I'm sorry. They're 11th in the league. Mm-hmm. I think I just expected more. I, 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 I'm trying to pin. Eh. I was going to say I'm trying to pinpoint what exactly is their biggest issue. Is it the power play? I mean, is it because I mean, if you're going to sit there and say that Jacob Markstrom is the reason that they're floundering, I mean, most of what I ever heard about Markstrom prior to last season was. Uh, that he wasn't that good, that you know they needed a starting goaltender. But if you look at Markstrom's numbers, he was consistent. He wasn't Vesna quality. He wasn't you know he wasn't going to win you a Vesna. He wasn't nine thirty two save percentage every year, but he was consistently between nine ten and nine fifteen save percentage. His his time in in Vancouver, he was better than I think most people gave him credit for. So oh, I think gonna, that's true on balance. 
Um, right now, they are the second worst team in terms of goals uh, against per game at they, 3.72. They brought in uh, Braden Holtby, though, and he hasn't been good the last couple of years. Only the Senators are actually worse. Yeah, well, Matt Murray. Okay, argument made. Wait, wait, wait. You're you're not insinuating that uh, Matt Murray was uh, propped up by the offense in and the threat of the offense <clears throat> in Pittsburgh, are you? Um, am I insinuating that, or am I coming out and saying it? Because I, I don't I'm know. Going, I, I'm going with the latter, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, Matt Murray, a decent goaltender, not what everybody thought he was in Pittsburgh, however. And now you're seeing that in Ottawa when he's being asked to uh, perform above what I think he was capable of. And I'm not even going to bring up the uh, injury prone. But anyway, uh, Thatcher Demko is, I mean, he's played in 10 games, actually played two more games than Braden Holpe. So can we blame Braden for this? They're, they're pretty much evenly splitting the duties. And Demko is only slightly better, but still doesn't even have a 90% save percentage. Yeah, their goaltending is not <clears throat> has not been great, um, which is disappointing. But, you know, the Demko is... His, the goals against average behind the same team, and honestly, this is the only time I think this stat is worth anything, is comparisons on the same team. Mm-hmm. Demko has allowed a quarter of a goal less per game. His save percentage is a little bit better. Neither one of them has achieved a shutout. <clears throat> I don't think that either one of them is great, um, and obviously their numbers don't support it. But, okay, Tell me who the two best defensive defensemen on this team are. Uh, Alexander Adler and, oh, wait, they traded Troy Stetcher away or actually just let him go. No, traded him away. So we can't use him. Um, I don't know. Tyler Myers? Is there, okay, is there a defense, is there a defensive defenseman <clears throat> who would you, you would put in the top half of that category in the NHL on that roster? Honestly, no. I mean, Love Quinn Hughes, not a defensive defenseman. Edler. I, Edler has started to slow down. Yeah. Regardless of what people want to believe, he is not the player he was in 2011. Oh, no, absolutely. Even no, no, 2019. No. You know what? Nate Schmidt. Okay, there's one. And I'm not uh, actually I forgot, sure. Yeah, I forgot he was there. And, and the fact that they got him for, what, a couple of third-round picks? <clears throat> yeah. Okay, would you put him in the top quarter of the league uh, for defensive defensemen? Nate Schmidt? Yes. Top quarter of the league? Yeah. I would like to believe that. I do. And maybe he is. I mean, top quarter of the league is pretty big area. Uh, for defensive, you said, is he for in the actually top defensive defenseman. Defense? Yeah, I mean, okay. Well, even if we call it that, um, but he can't play sixty plus minutes a game. Well, no, we we figured that you know, Grizzlick was going to play forty eight to fifty five minutes a game here in Boston after losing Tory Krug. So, and. Uh, 
I mean, Nate Schmidt for all that he's uh, attempting to do uh, defensively, he's only got his shooting percentage is literally terrible. Did we realize how good he was before he was before he left Washington? No, no one did. That whole first year, uh, first two years of Vegas. Uh, pretty much his first two years in Vegas, pretty much. That was a coming out party. Yeah, that's when he stood up and everybody took notice. It was his first two years in Vegas. It was like, okay, this guy's actually pretty good. <laughs> but his last years in Washington were actually decent seasons. I yeah, mean, but he, I mean, there you have to get over the I mean, names yeah. before you get to the contributions Wait. of everyone else. Yeah, and when your names Baxter. include Ovechkin and Carlson and Oshie and Backstrom, oh, wait a minute, was Oshie there yet? Yes. Even if he wasn't. She's been there for quite some time. Even if he wasn't, um, that there's still a lot of people to dig through. Nate Schmidt was definitely invisible in Washington. Yes. And I think that's how Vegas was able to get him profit plunder <laughs> profit good word for it there you go because make no mistake vegas plundered the nhl in their draft uh yeah <laughs> how else do you explain that oh wait inaugural season players that really haven't played with each other and stanley cup final hmm. okay so <laughs> but overall when we put this in a vacuum, would we put this team's defense and defensive structure, including the forwards, yeah. in the top half of the league? I think they're better than what they're performing. I think they're underperforming right now. I'm I not think they're slightly underperforming. But I'm not say they should be top. I'm not going to be saying they should be number one, but. I expected them to be like third, fourth, contending for the one of the two playoff spots. Okay, here's here's the thing that I think is going to make some people mad, and I don't care. Um, what did I say three months ago when they announced uh, this season uh, this season's format? What did I say it was going to be? The year of the coach. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> In this but division, Travis Green. we have Claude Julian. Uh-huh. We have Jeff Ward. We have Paul Maurice. Uh, okay, two out of three, yeah. Uh, now, Jeff Ward was a big part of the Bruins' Stanley Cup run. He's I been, know. He's got uh, – he's been a part of – uh, he's been a part of deep playoff runs in other teams. Paul Maurice absolutely knows hockey front, back, sideways, uh, and well, deeply concussed. You may not always like him, uh, but. No, but I'm loving that guy in Montreal. Um, <laughs> and you go through. The players are probably underperforming, um, certainly in their defensive duties. Are you saying that Travis Green can't hand? I mean, in that case, the kiss of death story kind of gains a little bit more traction at that point. And that's why I think, and and even 
even there, I don't know that this season is a good litmus test for anyone. I don't think that I, I find it hard to believe that coaches should be terminated this season. I'm not I mean, saying that they should all get like I'm not saying you don't keep an eye on them and say, but this year it's just so difficult to turn around and because of everything issues with pauses and and so you've got teams that have to stop and then start you know start and then stop for two weeks and then start up again and start, I don't know that you can be bagging a coach during this tumultuous season. This like this season is legitimately it's unlike any other. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen coaches, players forced to play so frequently, so few teams. And as much as I love it, because even teams where they're not really all that physically aggressive are playing more physically aggressive. I mean, the Rangers, <laughs> well, the Rangers and the Bruins had like three fights last night. Uh, well, they played the Islanders last night. You must be talking or about the, the night before. before. There you go. <laughs> um, they played yeah, the that Islanders was, last it, night. It was, and I didn't, I actually didn't see much of the Islanders game. Unfortunately, uh, there were a good number of heavy hits. I know that, there were some there was some hitting going on. I tried to watch the midnight replay and uh, that panned out for a short period of time. But uh, there was some physicality. But, yeah, the, the second game against the Rangers and clearly it was spillover from the first game. Oh, yeah. Because Fred, Frederick got into a fight with somebody in the first game. Uh, and it was somebody who was a fighter. And I don't remember who it was because he was nicked up pretty good. Uh, he had a nice little nick on his chin, on his left uh, cheek, uh, just below his eye, did Frederick. Uh, there was some some heavy hitting going on. Uh, I saw, we saw Lausanne get thrown out. Yeah, I mean, I like the, the compactness of this season for that reason and the fact that they've created rivalries again. And I wish that, and, and we've all heard Jack Edwards say how... It, it it's wrong that they only play Canadians four times a year. <laughs> and this and year, he's not 100% all. right. Oh, I agree completely. <clears throat> and but, the only, okay, for me, the mm-hmm. only way to do that little, that's sm- that small way sample against each other is for the two C is for the two teams to play. You're only going to play four times. It needs to be two home and homes Friday night and Saturday night. Friday in Boston, Saturday in Montreal for the first one, uh, Saturday, uh, Friday night in Montreal for the second set, Saturday night in Boston, and let's get it on. And ideally yeah. in the same month. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and cycle through the rest of the division the same way. But you're right. Are the Rangers really that physical a team? No. No. And I, I mean, outside of outside of guys like Chris Kreider, who clearly is a physical guy, he likes to hit. He likes to, you know, he, he plants himself in front of the net. Usually, those are the physical guys. But I mean, Truba can be physical, but I don't think that he's the most physical defenseman. No, 
Um, so, do we want to case, dive, dive into is, the into the bigger stuff, or do we want to go with some of the smaller stories next? We have bigger stuff. It looked like it was all just small, uh, from what I was remembering. Like we got Bjork's goal. I mean, that was a nice little. It was nice. Well, the NHL is roughly at the quarter pole now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you wanted to talk about the potential changes to the draft lottery, about which I have notes. Um, uh, those are the two bigger ones. The other ones are uh, the other ones are a little interesting or less or smaller. So the NHL, so the NHL is at the quarter pole. Uh, I hadn't actually thought about this, but yeah, you figure fifty six total games, uh, twenty five, twenty eight. Yeah, so about fourteen games in. So yeah, we're about quarter of the way through the season. Is this like a typical season where in October, November, you know, the the cream starts to rise and sediment starts to fall? So I mean, is this our Dece- is this is this really our December first, where you know, or day after Thanksgiving, where eighty percent of the teams above the high water mark uh, make it in and the rest fail? I think it's probably going to be. Um, which means <clears throat> your favorite phrase. Uh, yes, if the playoffs started today. Toronto and Winnipeg, season. Montreal and Edmonton. Montreal which, is in. Ugh. Montreal and Edmonton. Uh, talk about a Styles clash. They say <laughs> they say Styles make uh, fights. Styles make series. That mm-hmm. there. That there would be exciting. That would be primo first round hockey. Um, <clears throat> do we want to go to by division or do we want to go by just top? Well, already, we've already started with the North, so why not? Okay. The <clears throat> Mass Mutual East. <sighs> yes. Sponsored divisions. Yay. So last night we saw a potential preview for this in what the local broadcasters very carefully did not refer to as a scheduled loss. Um, Boston Bruins versus the New York Islanders. Was it a scheduled loss? They said no. They just said it was hard. They were worried. I mean, the Islanders, yeah, they're they're not – Chop liver here. They're a decent team. Granted, they're in fourth. I get it, but they're in fourth. They're not scoring a lot, but they're not uh, giving up a lot either. When you scored thirty-two and given up thirty-three, you're still underwater. You're still underwater, but okay. The only other, I mean, you've got the uh, the only team that give up wow less goals. Can you believe New Jersey Devils have only given up twenty-six goals? Yes, but the New Jersey Devils have only scored 23. And that's – admittedly, they've only played nine games, so – Oh, okay. There that's we go. part yeah, of the there's, issue. There's the equalizer. So you figure if you average three goals per game, you want to add another 12 to that number to get them up to 13. So say 26 plus 28, so 38 goals. Okay. Right. So you figure the Islanders have only given up 33 goals and – Math-wise, uh, that's pretty good. If you if you readjust, that's the second lowest number in the East. 
So it's not they're not terrible. They're 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 pretty good defensively. They're not good offensively. Valamov has strong numbers in net, but whether we thought he was or wasn't all that good before getting to the Islanders, with the Islanders, he's been pretty good. Varlamov is great when he faces two or three shots and they get the puck out. If he has to face sustained pressure on a regular basis, he starts wilting. Okay. Um, And the Islanders are good at actually getting the puck out after no more than two or three shots. I mean, he's got a 930 save percentage, and he's got a goals against under two. Now, again, goals against, yes, team stat, team stat, and you're right. That goes to the fact that the defense gets the puck out of the zone. He doesn't face that sustained pressure, absolutely. And the other other one is also fascinating because you've got uh, Ovichara, Carlson, Oshi against Elaine Vigneault and company. Elaine. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who I would want to win. Uh, do I? I mean, I would have to root for the Capitals simply because I the like more coach. players on that team. I think they're a more interesting team to watch. But despite the fact that I think that they have the second best coach in that series. Um, I, I think that the Flyers might actually win based on the way the players are playing, the teams are playing right now, because we saw Washington blow like four leads in a row, including the two game series with the Bruins mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, write this down. Straight from a bar somewhere near Causeway, anytime between the mid 1980s and today, catch up hockey is losing hockey. And if you can't hold on to a lead, you can't win a series. Agreed. And that's why I worry about Washington. <laughs> like, I really worry about Washington going into the playoffs. Okay. Um, do you worry about Boston going into the playoffs? I do. I like. I, don't I, I mean, I do, and I know team. why I do, but... I think they can beat the Islanders in the first round. Mm-hmm. If they have to play a team that's dialed in defensively and reasonable offensively, mm-hmm. I don't think they come out uh, on top. They There's got to be... A, Again, I, I mean, you look at the you look at the points production from this team, and it's all Marshawn and Bergeron, eighteen points apiece. That's the other part. <coughs> the Bruins, and we'll have to talk about this in a minute mm-hmm. after we go through the league. Yeah, the Boston Bruins have a desperate, glaring need that they wouldn't have had they signed Tory Krug. Although they do, they do have the second best power play. No, I'm sorry, second best penalty kill in the NHL. Yes. Uh, but they also have a top ten power play, if I'm not mistaken. Which is utterly amazing, given the fact that they still. But at at even strength, they cannot get the puck out of their own zone. They're just not that good at it. And it, it, the the 
and like you said, the 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 glaring thing between the top six scoring, you've got six players in double figures, and then after that, number seven is Craig Smith at five points. Yeah, there's <clears throat> there's literally no balance, and guess what? Mm. Having a having an offensive-ish defenseman um, who can play with your third and second line. Mm-hmm. Kind of useful. No. Kind of useful. Yeah. Um, one stat that uh, I think is really interesting, um, and I'm willing to bet that the uh, boys in Boston are not doing all that well at it. Uh-huh. Is? Um, even strength goals. I'm willing to... I, I am willing I mean, to they've scored. They've only scored 42 goals on the season. And granted, that's still third most in the East uh, because Wash- uh, Philly scored 46, Washington scored 44. Uh, but Washington, again, they're another 44 goals for, 45 against. Islanders in fourth at 32-4, 33 against. Philly, 46-4, 41 against. Boston is against. 24th. In the league, in goals for it, five on five. Wow! So there is your underlying issue. They can't score at five on five. Twenty fourth. That As is in, the issue. Out of a thirty-one team league, almost well, all of them are better. Well, there is, there is, there is another issue in Boston, but yeah, that's. You mean <laughs> the one behind the bench who shall remain nameless? The one, well, okay, so two then, okay. I was thinking the one behind the bench, but he's directly affects the other problem, which is the fact that you're still relying on the number one to be number one when clearly statistics-wise he's number two. But anyway. You're relying on the better paid guy to be the number one. And <laughs> and the other guy who has the only shutout and <laughs> – I and mean, has a goals against of one point three. I'm sorry, goals against is a team stat. Why is his goal? Why is Halak's goals against one point three eight, and Rask's is two point five something? And just, if it's a team stat, how is it that glaringly different? Now, just for just for <laughs> comparison, what do these three teams have in common? Okay, go ahead. The Ottawa Senators, mm-hmm. the Winnipeg Jets. And the Pittsburgh Penguins. What do they have in common? They they have two things in common, and no, not not that they're NHL teams. Oh, that's cheating. Okay, um, minus seven. Well, Ottawa's minus thirty in goal. Wow, minus thirty. Holy cow! Their goal. Yes, they're they're bad. Mike Matt Murray has played for all three teams. No. Um, <laughs> okay, time's up. I, I, I'm, I'm not seeing it because Winnipeg is actually all three Winnipeg. teams. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> are well below Boston in the standings. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. And gone there. All three teams in less games have scored more even strength goals. Oh, okay. The the math doesn't work. 
And that I, it, it clear, and that's a clear problem because Ottawa has not scored as many goals. They've played two more games than Boston, and only have thirty-four goals for to Boston's forty-two. But yet they still have more even strength goals than Boston. <coughs> Boston, like people keep telling me, I'm overreacting. No. Same thing with Pittsburgh. If you can't score at even strength, if your theoretical number one goaltender isn't, <coughs> um, and you can't. <sighs> Go ahead. <laughs> never mind. Just never mind. Never mind. I'm still I'm I'm still baffled at the goaltending thing. Oh, by the way, save percentage backup nine thirty eight, number one nine oh six. Just saying. But it's over 900 now. That's really good. <laughs> it is over 900. He's he's got it out of the 89s. That's a that's a good start. <laughs> but now I'm let's sorry. look at the Discover Central. <laughs> the Discover Central, yes. The Discover Central. We're discovering the Central. <laughs> there are two enormous surprises for me in this division. Uh, the first one has to be the second place team in that division. If Particularly it's not given that they are there by points, despite having played less games than three or four, than most of the teams behind them, Florida yeah. and Carolina and Carolina, I find it more believable are theoretically tied for through the second tiebreaker. But looking um, at it, yes, for second in the discover central division. If I remember correctly, neither one of us, and I'm flipping through the notes. Oh, there it is. Neither one of us picked Florida in the central. No, and <laughs> there's still time for them to fall apart. I understand that. <laughs> but if we're making the argument that here at the quarter poll, it, it, you know, we're seeing it is what it is. Uh, you know, are they going to stay? In, in, they might, you know, lose a couple of points, but are they going to stay in second? Are they going to stay in the top four? I think. I think they're going to stay in the top four. The way they're playing, and if they and they're another situation where I think the backup is better than the number one. Uh, This season, yeah. Drieger has been a and again, yeah, one point nine seven goals against. Bobrovsky is a three point three three. So you make the argument that that goals against is a team stat. Why the huge discrepancy? Um, it's got to yeah. be the goaltender. Uh, the, unless, the other, unless the other team. one for me is the sixth place team. The, yeah, Nashville. That was my other one as well. Uh, well, no, Dallas. Oh, I find Dallas, Dallas out I'm, more shocking than Nashville. Really? I mean, Dallas and Chicago and Columbus all have the same points percentage with uh, Dallas having played 12 games to the 16 of Chicago and Columbus, but I I think I'm more I I'm more shocked at Nashville in seventh. Dallas Dallas in sixth is a surprise, and yeah, I think they should be a playoff team. I think the bigger surprise for me is how far Nashville has fallen. I uh, see. I last season. Weren't they led by a defenseman in scoring? You mean the guy who won the Norris Trophy? Yeah, Ryan Ellis. No, Roman Yossi. 
Mignosi, sorry. <laughs> Although Ryan Ellis is a good defenseman in his own right, so and I would certainly not shy away from him if you were offered to the Bruins. <laughs> uh, but, no, no one in their right mind would. So that but, leaves the current general yeah. manager out. But I guess the issue there is is Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, uh, their defense is not what it once was. That's – goes without saying. They well, the goaltending have, behind them isn't what it once was. Pecorine is getting older, yeah. And <clears throat> you say Saros is clearly copping up a hairball. But also I don't – I I think of – I think on any given team, there are certain players or in there are certain players in the league – or if they're in your one through four spot for best players mm-hmm. or most productive players, you're never going anywhere. If okay. they're in your five through seven, you've got a great team. And I think Matt Duchesne is one of those players. Yeah. I think he's a really solid player when he does not have the weight of being the man on his shoulders. He's their second leading scorer, and he's at barely over half a point per game with, and as much as I hate it, a minus nine. I know on you the don't year. like the plus minus stats, but I don't like the plus minus stat uh, because it's skewed. It doesn't take into account power plays. It doesn't take into account whether you were, whether you even had time to impact the play. But so I try not to mention it. I don't think it's the worst stat ever invented. Um, I just don't know that it's useful in the modern NHL. I also am a firm believer that you can make stats say whatever they want. So make creating all of those advanced metrics and advanced stats are still just another way of trying to make the argument work for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this team's forwards are <sighs> atrocious. Uh-huh. After Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne. After Philip Forsberg, uh, yeah, that's it. (laughs) And Matt Duchesne. There is legitimately no one I would want to add to the top six of a team that it's expecting to make a playoff run. It's not Rocco Gamalti. They really have fallen quite a way. Kelly Yarnkrock. It's... Not Young Croak, I guess is a Young Croak, I guess is a really good um, defensive forward. Yes, and obviously but I'm not, not Selkie. Obviously not Selkie conversation, but he's a solid defensive forward. And I don't know what in the world happened to Ryan Johansson. Ah, uh, the same thing that happened to Matt Duchesne. They get offered huge contracts, and the contract broke them. I did. sometimes I, I some, sometimes I wonder if that's the case. You finally get to a point where hey, you're getting paid and and you can ease up a little bit. I'm not yes. saying they've completely just decided to cash in and le- and call it a day, but you get that big contract that you've been itching for your whole career. Maybe you ease your foot off the gas pedal a little. Because I mean, a couple of years ago, this was Ryan uh, Johansson was one of the best forwards in the league. He was a great two-way contributor. He contributed offensively at a high level. He contributed defensively at a high level. Everyone wanted him on their team. Yeah. He's never been, I mean, he's, he's never been 
he's never been like top 15 he's productive. Get, he's only That's got two okay. se- he's only got two seasons over 20 goals. But like Miku Koivu or like Ryan Kessler, he was always in the conversation right for one of the two or three best defensive forwards in the league while still getting a very useful number of offensive points. And then he lands in Nashville. Is there something in the water? Because even mm-hmm. Matt Duchesne, and Matt Duchesne's a couple of years older. He actually had his best. He actually had his second best season points-wise in Nashville two years ago. Uh, his best being 71 points back in 14-15. But two years ago, 18-19, he had 64 points. Uh, his second year in Nashville, he had 61 points. He hasn't been terrible in Nashville. Okay, but at the time he was traded for Seth Jones, that was considered pretty much a short-term one-for-one trade. And, that uh, was and it, was a, it was considered a solid trade. He had 26 points in 38 games when he was traded to Nashville and finished the season with 34 more points in 42 games. So, I mean, actually, if you combine that year, he had 26 30, he had 60 points that season of the where the trade was made. He had a combined 60 points between the two teams in 70 games, 80 games. Uh, right now it, he's on the injured reserve at 9.8 uh, at eight million dollars a season for yep. through the end of 24 or 25, so four more seasons. Can you? Can you say you would rather have him on your team than Seth Jones? Oh, hell no. <laughs> and anybody who anybody who would say yes clearly needs to um, put down the glass and, and go home. <laughs> yes, uh, you can put the mirror back in your pocket. You've already cleaned it off. Um, and you can unroll that dollar bill and put it back in your wallet. Seth Jones or Ryan Johansson is a tough choice. No, no. <laughs> Seth Jones is a future Norris Trophy winner. Ryan Johansson might just get bought out. Yeah. Like, I know this is last year, this year, been hard on a lot of people. Maybe, maybe he's one of them. He has no goals in 10 games this season, and now he's on IR. So I mean, what is what is what are John Hines and David Poley to do? Because their roster, David Poyle has been searching for a number one center for a long time. Uh, he so, needs somebody. He got need, there. He needs somebody. I mean, when he came over from Washington, one of his first things he got himself um, Philip Forsberg because he knew what Philip was capable of. But he needs a center that can get him the puck. I mean, Poyle has been there. He arrived in Nashville 23 years ago. 23 years, eight months, and five days ago. I think he's done a really good job of turning a franchise under the old rules which were really punitive to new teams uh, yeah. compared to the, compared to what Vegas saw 
um, into a regular NHL playoff contender. But, 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 three years, soon to be 24, because without (coughs) some really, really favorable trades, he's not winning a cup this year. No, no. Uh, Really, really favorable trades and still a lot more luck. 126 trades, 353 players drafted, 302 signings. Wow, it has been 23 years. Holy cow. And let's see. (laughs) Over an almost a billion and a half in signings value. No cups. Have they even won a cup? I think they've won maybe, what, two division titles, one division title? I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even know if it's been that many. He's 71 years old at this point, too. 71. Yeah, and happy birthday as we're running you under the bus. Um, <laughs> That's so sweet. Happy birthday as we're running hey, you under I, the bus. Hey, I want to keep the tradition alive. I mean, the day was, you know, for someone martyred. and. Okay, fair enough. Um, and now we're and now he's being martyred for for our purposes. At what point? At what point? We say, "Hey, David, thank you." Mm-hmm. It's been real. It's been fun. Uh, but you know, John Shake is taking over. Or. <laughs> Well, that day. Well, that day can't. That day can't come until January first, twenty twenty two. Yeah, just like because John Chaka just like Chiarelli wasn't in charge uh, after he was signed out of Ottawa. Right. Yeah. He yeah. Was, he was mysteriously. He was Zdeno Chara also lands in Boston. Uh huh. Hmm. <laughs> But I don't even know what – I don't even remember what uh, the contract or how much contract time uh, Poyle has left or even if it matters. I was going to say does I mean, it matter? President, he's, alternate governor, and vice president uh, – or he's president, general manager, and alternate governor. Mm-hmm. Ownership clearly – only cares about the money at this point. President of hockey operations. Um, wow. One and a half billion dollars in signings. That's one and a half billion dollars. I mean, well, I guess after 23 years, the numbers do kind of add up. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, they, they do. I don't know. I, I, I honestly, it sounds like he he's going to be there as long as, as long he as he wants. wants to. Yeah. I think when he leaves is going to be when he wants to leave. I don't know that the team that with that kind of resume, as you said, GM, alternate governor, president, hobby operations. I don't think that they're going to be marked. They're going to be escorting him to the doors. He's going to walk out with his head held high when he's ready to go. So if you were 
say he decides to leave at the end of the season and you're the owner. Mm-hmm. He tells you tomorrow, you know what? I'm 71 years old. I, I find the schedule a little pressing. The health emergency is concerning. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm done. Do you want him to be the guy to hit the big red button? Or do you want to leave that to someone else? You want someone to come in with a bunch of assets and nothing to consider other than how do I turn those? I don't know that that's going to be those draft picks and prospects into something useful. Or do you want the next general manager to step in as is? I don't know that that's going to be a choice, though. I mean, I think David Poyle is going to, up until the time that he leaves, he's going to conduct himself as GM. So if he wants to fleece the team, so to speak, if he wants to shed terrible contracts, or or, or he's going to do it. I, I would prefer that David Poyle allow the next GM the opportunity to bring in what he wants, do what he wants. But I don't see that as David, I don't see David Poyle doing that. I mean, unless he, unless he convinces himself that his love for the franchise is greater than doing what he wants to do before he leaves. If that makes any sense, if his love for the franchise, you know, means that he should step down and just let the next GM make all the moves. I think that's what I'd like him to do. You mentioned terrible contracts. I don't think I could name three of them on the co- on the team, though. There are a couple I don't like, like Ryan Johansson's. We mentioned that one Matt at the Shanks. time it was signed. I didn't have a problem with it. I don't think anyone did. Probably not. Um, Matt Duchesne's a little bit high, yeah. but he was a free agent who was pretty young. He's still only thirty. Um, well, they got him from where Columbus who got him from, I want to say that was a three-way trade that landed him there. I thought he, he went to Columbus from Colorado, Colorado. Was Colorado. He didn't want to be in Colorado. He wanted nothing to do with the avalanche. They upset him or something. I don't know. Ended up getting traded to Columbus. And then I thought when he was a free agent, he ended up going to Nashville. Oh, was that a trade? I know I'm. Okay, so November seventeen, uh, November of seventeen, yeah. traded from uh, Colorado to Ottawa, and wow, Ottawa. wow do we don't remember the Ottawa about, days. Yeah. <laughs> um, with Shane Bowers, Andrew Hammond, and Kyle Turris in a conditional first round pick the that became yeah. Owen Bryan, Bryman, and a third round pick uh, in the twenty nineteen. Uh, draft that became Matthew Steinberg. February of 2019 traded from the Senators to the Blue Jackets. Uh, he was traded with Julius Bergman for Vitaly Amberov, J- Jonathan Davidson, mm-hmm. um, and uh, round one pick in the 2019 draft, Lassie Thompson, and a conditional first pick, uh, round one pick in the 2020 draft. Uh, apparently that condition was not met. 
So he landed there February 22nd of 2019. With all those memorable names? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. Um, <laughs> I mean, if we went and deeply researched it, would we find that any of them have actually played in the NHL? <laughs> uh, I think Bowen Bryman made his debut. Oh, this Bowen week. Byram. He was a, okay. He's a Byram. Top, yeah. Okay, Bowen Byram. Yes. Okay. Kyle Turris. Yeah. Kyle Turris. Obviously. The rest. Don't think so. Um, <clears throat> and so July first of 2019, he was a free agent. And end up following his buddy Kyle Turris to Nashville. Uh, so 1920, um, that would have been, yeah, he played in 66 games last season. <sighs> Didn't have a great year. And to think that, I don't know, I just, did we, I'm, I mean, looking at my, looking at my central and your central, uh, no, neither one I, of us. Expected. No, I did actually have Nashville in fourth. Or they were the fourth team that I wrote down. So, I mean, we all we both had Tampa Bay. We both had Dallas. No, I had, had Nashville out. Yeah. Yeah, you had Carolina in, which right now you've actually got all four teams right. If the playoffs started today. Uh, which brings us to <laughs> the West. The Honda West. The, the Honda West. <laughs> Now, in the Honda West, you had Colorado, Vegas, St. Louis, and then you couched your fourth team. Of course I did. Because uh, you have Minnesota or Arizona. Um, right now, neither one of them is there because Anaheim <coughs> is just being stubborn. Uh, I had Vegas, Colorado, St. Louis, and Arizona. Although, in fairness, Anaheim and uh Anaheim and Arizona are statistically tied. Arizona has played less games. So <clears throat> if they the playoffs started today, Arizona would be in. No. Points-wise, Anaheim has one more point. Oh, they do have one more point. Sorry. Because of the extra game that ended because up being the extra game. Okay. an overtime loss. <sighs> they have one extra point, so they would be in. But that's... <clears throat> I think, I think that Arizona still – that's the one point where I think that – I think Arizona is going to end up finishing in that fourth spot. I yes. don't know that – I don't know that the other three teams beneath Arizona, I don't think Minnesota or L.A. or San Jose has enough to get there. But and I I'm think quite that, frankly shocked that Anaheim is there in the first place. Is goaltending? Ryan even Miller has still, been – Even still, their goal differential in 15 games is minus nine. <laughs> It is. <laughs> Minus uh, nine. I mean, John their home Gibson, record, their... John Gibson has been standing on his head. Uh, Ryan Miller, not so much. Well, Ryan Miller at his age, if he can stand on his head, that's where you have applause all by itself. Ouch. He's he's 40-something. He's I played... He was, wait a minute, I thought he was 40. He's played We're not talk, yeah, thousands he's and thousands of NHL minutes. He's played 45,512 minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he has, if you must know, he has faced 23,376 shots. <laughs> Again, it, he's, it, it, as much time as he has spent having vulcanized rubber thrown in his body, the fact that he can move at all is bloody amazing. The thing is, he's 12 wins away from 400. Yes. <laughs> 
is he trying to stick around just to get to 400? Yes. <laughs> okay. He's so close. He can taste it. Although he as said a backup, he's at 45,000 gonna... minutes played. 45,512. <laughs> that puts him 19th on the list of all-time uh, minutes played for an NHL goaltender. No one, I can't imagine anyone catching Martin Brodeur or even Patrick Roy because Brodeur is at 74,000 and change. Okay. Patrick Ruah is at 60,000 and change. Uh, Bobby Lou is at just under 60,000. I really think he thought he was going to catch Patrick Ruah, but time ran out. Um, and then Terry Sawchuk is down in fourth and Ed Belfour is in fifth. Eddie Belfour, uh, the Eagle. <laughs> actually, Ryan Miller should be able to catch um, Bullen, Happy Bullen. Uh, in three or four games because it's under 100 uh, minutes uh, difference. And then Rogi Vashon is at just over uh, 46,200 minutes. Uh, I mean, if he sticks around for another 3,000 minutes, he'll crawl into 15th in the NHL for all-time minutes played. Okay. Which is absurd i mean the thing with anaheim yeah it's not the it's not the goaltending it's max comtois is your number one goal scorer he has six who he's also your number one points getter he has eight max comtois comtois however you want to say it your second number your second points producer actually there's three of them at four of them at six points Hampus Lindholm, Ricard Raquel, who's supposed to be your goal scorer. He has one. Uh, Getzlaff, certainly not the Ryan Getzlaff of, old, Getzlaff of old. He has one goal and six points. Carter Rowney has no goals and six points. Uh, Adam Henrique is, has three goals and four points. This is just not – Danton Heinen has three goals. Wait a minute. Yeah, he had a really good week a couple of weeks back. Wait, Denton Heinen can score goals? <laughs> if he could do that here, we wouldn't have traded him. No. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it, it, there's no there's no goal scoring on this team. I mean, it's... There's no anything on that team. Yeah. Six oh, goals wow, is that Tom where Kevin Shattenkirk landed? I forgot he was still in the NHL. Oh, yeah, he was. he's there, too. No goals, four assists. It's it's like I understand that California, you know, warm community and all that stuff, and but you've got Bacchus out there, you've got Shattenkirk out there, you've got Ryan Miller out there who actually keeps playing. There's some older players out here, and then you got the young guys. Hey, Ryan Miller has contributed at effectively the same level as Tuka Rask. I tried not to laugh at that, but it's so true. <laughs> Except that Tuke has been responsible for more games. <clears throat> and has a much better team in front of him. Yeah. Even if the team is somewhat uh, suspect in certain areas. So Arizona is... <laughs> so yes, in this case, I'm going to say that there will be a flip-flop, and I'm pretty sure that Arizona will move into that fourth spot. 
I just I like Arizona. Uh, they're getting Larson back, whether you think that Ekman Larson is overpaid or not, but they're getting Ekman Larson back. I don't. <clears throat> I know a lot of people do. I, I think that Ekman Larson is he's a difference maker on that team. I don't think he's a top NHL, a top five NHL defenseman. But I think if you genuinely believe that he's not a good NHL defenseman, I don't understand your views of hockey. But can you say young, young, young team? I mean, yes. They, they do. They have guys like do they have guys like Shalmerson? Do they have guys like uh, uh, Goligoski on the team? Yes. But overall, can you say this is a young team? Uh, yeah. Jacob Chikrin, Connor Garland, your leading scorer. And and granted, Connor Garland is your leading scorer with 14 points. Your leading goals achiever is Christian Dvorak with seven. And he's got 13 points. But the the defense that they're they're capable of stopping the puck. Darcy Kemper is whether you think more or less of him. I mean, he stole the job from Auntie Ranta and Auntie didn't do anything for himself to help out because he's injury prone. They're not going to, they're not going to overwhelm you with many seven goal games and they're not going to beat you eight to one or seven to two or what. Honestly, if they have two seven goal games this season, I will be overwhelmed. (laughs) Fair enough. I can accept that. And that seven goals four. Yes. <laughs> but when you, I mean, when you look at the, they're, they've got <clears throat> 39, four and 42 against, it's not ideal. I just, I, I think they're going to slide in. Uh, they'll end up playing St. Louis or Vegas in the first round. And honestly, got to say it. I think the team I'm most surprised by in this conference isn't actually Anaheim. Because I think the bottom of this conference is really squishy. In fact, yes. I think the whole conference is squishy. It's so the St. Louis Blues. Is it is the surprise the fact that it's the St. Louis Blues in, in, in the top spot or the fact that Colorado is in the third spot? Colorado and in the third spot. Because I if you have to do the math, or I don't I mean, know. I think they've played I, I four less equally, games. I think, I think they're equally confusing. I mean, technically, Colorado has a higher win percentage than St. Louis. Not technically, they do. They have they a do. 682 win percentage or points percentage. And, and I think that at the percentage. end of the season, that's going to bite St. Louis in the butt because at some point, Colorado is going to catch up. And, and Colorado can still score goals ridiculous. And, and they're better defensively, too. Yeah. I mean, they're ridiculous this year, defense defensively. Well, I I like Kel McCarr, Sam Girard, another good young defenseman. They they eliminated um, the 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 Russian kid Zait is it not Zaitsev? Um, they didn't eliminate him. They traded him away. Uh, but they brought in. Who are you thinking of? When when, in, when was the trade? They brought in Devin Tays. Um, and Devin Tays was actually a bigger get than a lot of people are going to admit because he's a defensive guy. He's not. His offensive numbers are never going to wow you. 
No, and yeah, I'm struggling to figure out who the uh, uh, Nikita Z- 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 Zadorov. Zadorov. No, Zadorov. Oh, okay. Zadorov. He is. Where the heck did he end up? I don't even remember where he ended up. But Zadorov, and he's a big hitter, big physical defenseman, more offensive than defensive. But I didn't think he was that big of a liability. But to get him to to bring in Devin Tays, who actually is is, I mean, he's got five points in eight games. Devin Tays does. I mean, <clears throat> yes. I'm not going to underscore. I'm not going to undersell his offensive abilities. But uh, Zadorov ended up in Chicago. Okay. Four points in 16 games. On a team that's <clears throat> not necessarily great, but yeah. somehow still in playoff contention. But you got Cal McCarr, Sam Gerard, who I actually really liked, and I'm you know he he's another good young defenseman. They're they're solid, and they still have Eric Johnson. I think they just placed him on I on IR though. Again, Eric Johnson, or did they just bring him off IR? I know the there was a move on him not too not too long ago. They're a solid team. Uh, Grubauer is Grubauer is a, is a really good goaltender who was hidden behind Holtby for a while. Uh, they lost Francois, who was a really good backup, but Hunter Miska has only played in two games, so you can't really judge him on his numbers as of yet. I think Colorado is going to, at some point, uh, flip that script, too. I don't know that St. Louis is going to hang on to the top spot. Uh, Eric Johnson went on to the injured reserve on the 12th. Uh, Devin Tays was activated from the injured reserve at the same time. I think Uh, the Colorado flips the script. I think Arizona. If there's going to be a lot of movement, it's going to be here in the West only because the top four teams are going to switch spots. Oh, absolutely. I think that's going to be the most there. You're absolutely right that there's going to be more movement there than Everywhere else, uh, I think that you might see one or two teams move spots in <clears throat> in each of the other although, although conferences. You know, you know, going back to the central, is Chicago good enough to? I mean, they've got the exact same record as as Columbus. Can Chicago? Can I mean, Chicago theoretically, like with the injuries slide they've had, in? with the injuries they've had, maybe. On the other hand, uh, with the trade that Columbus had and with uh, their boy, you know, having a uh, their new guy, Line, having that lovely little fight to endear him (laughs) to his coach and other people, Uh they could just pull together because I don't think we've seen Columbus's best hockey this year. I don't think we've seen them play their best hockey. But if you had to, if you had to identify the number one surprise in the NHL to this point, I'm going. I'm going to go with Chicago for one reason. They're in the playoffs without Taze and without uh, Doc. They, well, yes, and out of necessity has been born yet another potential star. Uh, their goaltending was <clears throat> questionable, to say the least. 
with Colin Delia and Malcolm Subban. And somehow the hand, the, 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 the gods have smiled upon them and handed them Kevin Lankinen. Oh, yes. Who, who has been, been one of my fantasy teams. <laughs> Kevin Lankinen has been. Ridiculous. Kevin, Kevin Lankinen has a 2.49 goals against. And that's actually gone up <coughs> in the last couple of days. It was a save percentage of 9.25. And it, Malcolm Subban has, in three games, admittedly, small sample, actually actually played pretty well. I mean, one win, one loss, uh, one overtime I, loss, I 913 the, save percentage. I so it's not like he hasn't idea. progressed over his career. Yeah. Now, Colin Delia, on the other hand, um, that's, unfortunate. Is that's the, what I was going to say. Unfortunate. Yes. I think And they, again, small sample size. I think they wanted to move Delia down and, and just bring Lankinen up to be a backup to Subban. But Lankinen came up, had a start, had another start, and another, and they just couldn't move him out of that starting spot. And they just, <laughs> because if you look, he played like seven games in a row or eight games in a row at some point, at one Which point. Which is nearly unheard of in the NHL these days. <sighs> they, they, Particularly and, at the pace that we're seeing, uh, at the pace of this particular. Right now. Yeah, in this particular season, that's just how many teams are actually literally doing the one-on-one-off. I mean, Columbus is. I think they've only started Corpus Allo four in a row because Elvis is hurt. And they just haven't put Kivlianix in, or however you say his last name. Um, But yeah, this Lankinen kid has come out, and damn, six and two. Six, two, and three in eleven games. Uh, it's a better than fifty percent win percent. I mean, yeah, and he's twenty-five years old. Surprise! Congratulations, <coughs> you've hit the goaltending lottery. <laughs> and it's not like his AHL numbers were great. <clears throat> Last year, twenty-one games, the Rockford Ice Hogs, three oh three goals against average, and a nine oh nine save percentage. Year before. 2.5 goals against average on a 9.10 save percentage. This is this is more surprising than Bennington's cup run. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Because at least Bennington had a reasonable team in front of him. <clears throat> yeah, St. Louis. Uh, when I mean, you have no, when you have a guy like Petrangelo playing in front of you, Colton Pareko. Uh, <laughs> If you go back and look at his finish numbers uh, from the 1819 international, you get an indication that he's actually better than we might think because in 11 games there, he had a 943 save percentage and a 1.55 goals against. But that's not the NHL. It's not even close to the NHL. It's great. Great numbers. International tournaments are not easy. But scrolling back through, I mean, he's – 23 games in Yoker at U and the Yoker at U20, he was a 2.92. Uh, in 14-15 with whatever HIFK is. I mean, yeah, you're right, 2.29. Clearly, this isn't NHL stuff. I get it, but uh, 9.46 save percentage here and 9.54 there. I mean, 9.50 here, 9.27 in 10 games with the Yoker. Uh, 
under 16s. Is it possible that, that this is the type of goaltender he is, or is are we just seeing the um, – is this still honeymoon phase? <coughs> I, I don't know. know. Right I, now – I would say that given <laughs> – Given that there's not that big a gap in the goal in the goals against average between himself and Subban, it's who's half a goal a game, half a goal a game for guys who are just breaking into the NHL or haven't established themselves, isn't as big as it is for guys who are seven or eight years in. Okay. Um, I would say it might actually be real. I will say that in the couple of Chicago games I've actually seen because the NHL network and I must, I must give them props because I know that I've bad mouthed them for being the NHL network showing everything but NHL games this season. They are actually showing many NHL games and they've had Chicago on a couple of times and watching like and in play. He's his, his, it, granted, it's on it, it's on the TV screen. I'm not seeing him live, but it looks like his fundamentals are really good. I mean, he's moving around that net. He's he can handle the puck. Uh, he's got pretty decent. I'm not going to say it's great, but he's got decent rebound control. Yeah, he looks good. Um, now we all thought that the Chicago Black so- Chicago Blackhawks would be uh, <clears throat> much in a much much more favorable draft position. Uh, heading towards the end of this year, mm. um, Lankinen has <coughs> come in and thrown a wrench in those uh, estimates. Yeah, uh, he, he's actually they're actually going to stop playing him because <laughs> Colin, we need you. <laughs> what if Colin suddenly comes up in the last month of the season? <laughs> plays twelve games in a row. Yeah. What happened to Lankinen? Oh, we just we didn't want to burn him out. Oh, we didn't. <laughs> yep, he showed up 11 seconds late for practice one day. <laughs> We've decided to penalize him that many at uh, one game per second. <laughs> uh huh. So Chicago hoping to have a decent draft position. Yeah. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen right now. Um, you you found a story about uh, potential changes to. Hey, hey. To the uh, to the NHL entry draft. Uh, well, the the draft the the changing they're considering changes to the draft lottery system. The problem is, and this is Pierre LeBron come out a couple of days ago, but no actual answers as to what they are, or what those changes would or could potentially be. Uh, basically, there are teams that are unhappy and with the fact are. that, and there always are, and and one of the commentary articles from forever blue shirts is actually what caught my eye before it was the athletic story um that somebody who writes for a a blogger or forever blue shirts is it a blog uh it's it's a it's a it's a ranger site yeah okay so they were unhappy that now they're considering making changes because uh, the rangers did so well well i don't think that's the case i think it's just in terms of Overall, the NHL in the past few years has seen teams leapfrog many positions. I mean, last year it was literally 11th. The Rangers were leapfrogged from 11th to 1st. And then last two years ago with Capocaco, they had leapfrogged from 6th to 2nd. 
uh, very rarely has there actually been a team that retained their first round pick. The Buffalo retained theirs in 18. Toronto retained theirs in in, in 16. <coughs> but there's you know, all there's that whole balance between it being anti tanking and not and making it irrelevant uh, or making it pointless for teams to attempt to rebuild uh, through the draft. And I really wonder if it's or I don't believe in the first place you're ever going to satisfy everyone. But I do have a suggestion on how to maintain some mystery and excitement to the draft with without completely messing up uh, the draft or the scouting and the player prioritization of of the various teams in the first couple of rounds. Because honestly, I think by the time you get to the third or fourth round, everyone's picks are completely out of order. And given that teams go off the board so often, there's a lot of guys who are not there who probably should be and the reverse. Um, I think you, I think the biggest change that needs to be made is just sort of bracketing the amount of space that teams can move. Okay. I mean, it's, it's interesting when I read this article because actual several years ago, there was a GM meeting in March and I'm, and I'm reading right from it. So several years ago at a March GM's meeting in the aftermath of the Oilers, having picked first overall for the third time in six years, because they were terrible, serious. And they were terrible. For like eight years in a row. But yeah. GM David Poyle, Nashville Predators, tabled an item on the agenda to discuss finding a formula that would limit how many times a team could pick first overall within a tight time frame. But that discussion didn't gain enough traction. To me, that's I think that's an issue, though. You can't you can't have a team picking first overall three times in six years. But the team was legitimately awful. They were so bad that even good draft picks and available free agents wouldn't have fixed them. And let's face it, there are less desirable markets to go to. And those teams absolutely need the draft more than the teams in priority mar- in markets where players want to play. <clears throat> so do you want to hear my idea for tiered movement uh, at the draft? Sure. Okay. Really, really simple. Put it together while we were talking before the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it protects. I think it protects the work and the thousands and thousands of hours of player analysis and scouting uh, by the organizations. And as I said, still provides a little bit of excitement around the draft uh, and around the draft lottery. Um, so. Teams in the first through third draft positions mm-hmm. cannot move more than two spots. Teams in four through eight can't move more than three. Uh, more uh, can't move down more than three. I was going to say because if you're in the fourth spot and you can move three spots, you can still get the first. Then correct. Um, okay. <clears throat> nine through sixteen, and this is after Seattle. Can't move up or down more than five. 
17 okay. through 24. Can't move uh, down more than three or up more than seven. Up and then 25 than through. Th- Go ahead. No, seven, 17 through 24 can move up seven. So you can be in 17th and get into the top 10. Wow, that's pretty good. Realistically speaking, is there that much difference most year between the last team to get into the uh, into the playoffs and the and the tenth worst team in the league? No. Okay. And then twenty five through thirty two can't move uh, down more than two or out of the first round. Can't move up more than nine. Twenty five up to sixteenth. Yeah. Okay. I uh, you put more thought into it than one GM apparently because one GM said it's a very simple fix. No team can move up in the lottery more than three spots. That's it. Simple, but it fixed everything. You can't move up more than three spots. End of story. I think that it takes a little bit more. I think that's really simplified. I think it's going to take more work than that. Something similar to what you suggested, I think, is what it's going to take. Um, There is one GM who feels the system is fine. He supported the status quo. Yes, because some people will always support it. I don't think the system is currently broken, but I do think it leans too much towards first place. (sighs) Uh, the, the worst team not retaining. And, and Detroit was, I, I don't want to say that Eisenman was banking on getting Lafreniere, but I think Detroit was more than expecting it based on how badly they finished the prior season and how many ping pong balls they had. I think they were slightly higher than just expecting that they were going to get the number one pick. And to fall to fourth, they still got Lucas Raymond. He's still going to be a star player for them from all reports. But when you're – and it's happened here in Boston with the Celtics when they were expecting to get Tim uh, Duncan, and that didn't happen. And ouch, the team actually suffered because I think they got into that whole mental – they got – the coach who would uh, Rick Pitino, who was the GM as well, I think he got himself so psyched up with the fact that he was going to get this kid that when he didn't, I think it actually set him back because he had all these plans. He had already started planning, putting the, the cart ahead of the horse, so to speak. And I think that happens, that can yeah. happen in, in I think that <clears throat> could potentially happen in, in Detroit. I don't know that Eisenman's going to let it happen. I think he's going to roll with the punches. He, he's that good of a GM. But can it affect a, can it affect a GM and a team that you expect you're going to get one kid and then to completely fall out of that spot? Oh, absolutely, uh, because it it's going to impact the. Uh, I mean, if you start doing your summer housekeeping before mm-hmm. the draft, uh, particularly if you're and you probably should if you're a team that's out of the playoffs and in that first ten twelve draft picks, you really really should start extending offers to uh, everyone or to anyone you intend to keep. Um, 
anyone you intend to keep for that first, uh, you know, in your prospect pool, um, who you invite to maybe leave college early. Mm -hmm. You know, if you know that the top three picks in the draft are all centers, you know, they're all right-handed shots, uh, shot uh, shooting centers, and you have nine centers in your pool, you're probably going to let one or two of those guys walk or trade them between the end of the season or even even going as far back as the uh, trade deadline uh, versus versus um, <clears throat> versus uh, letting or versus keeping them so that you have room to sign that that important player. And you're not getting fleeced later because everyone knows you need to move uh, out a B prospect or a C prospect in order to sign the A prospect. Uh, yeah. I just think that I just think that there's something wrong with with and I'm not saying the teams should be allowed to tank to get those better positions. And that's what the whole draft lottery is about, is preventing teams from tanking just to get number one. But at the same point in time, if you are a struggling team, you're that bad and you're relying on the fact that, you know, some kid is going to come in and, and help the team. He's not going to be it's not a, a, going to be a McDavid every time. It's not going to be, you know, the next Gretzky or whatever. But is Lafreniere's performance going to be different with Detroit than it has been with the Rangers? Are we seeing the real Alex Lafreniere? Right now, who has what one goal? I think. I don't know. That's always a good scored? question. <clears throat> I mean, has the environment is, is. Is I think in Detroit he'd get more minutes, more power play time. Is the focus going to be less though? Because as we know, no better. As we know, New York is is a huge is a big market. Yes, Detroit's an original six team, but. Is their market as big as New York? Is the spotlight going to be as big? The spotlight's not going to be quite as big, which might or might not suit Lafreniere better, but it's still going to be the biggest market he's ever played in. He's going to oh, yes. get attention. For him personally, agree. Yeah, he's whether it's Detroit or New York or uh, Arizona. <laughs> it, well. <clears throat> I mean, he's still the number one pick. It's still going to be his biggest market, like you said. Where did he play before? He was in in the OHL. Uh, I'm not even sure where he came, where he played. I'm trying to remember. Near, I, I almost, I honestly thought he was in Europe last year. Well, that's easy enough to figure out. It's just going to take me a second. And apparently, no, I can't spell his name. Because <laughs> I, I came I, up with a defenseman with a similar name. Well, there's an there's a, a there's an Alex Lafreniere. He was he with Ramoski oh, Oceanic. Oh, he was at the Q. Okay. He was major junior. Wow. Okay. And this is. I think that Arizona would still be a bigger market than Ramuski. Yes. So even if you were to go there, he's got one goal in 13 games. He's a minus five. I mean, granted, I haven't heard anybody calling for his head or anything. It's not like when Cabo Caco came out and had the same struggles as a rookie. 
it, it oh, no, they've been like calling they... for David Quinn's head, which is even more hilarious because really? David I Quinn has proved heard that one either. Has David Quinn's proved to be a solid coach? Considering what he's gone through, and and you know you've lost a a, a legend in in Lundquist, and I'm not talking about just this year. I'm talking about even last year, and mm-hmm. when he wasn't playing up to Lundquist of the past, you know, and you've got this three-headed monster in net because Georgiev might be and Shosturkin could be, and you know, then you've got uh, Zabanejad who's always injured. You got uh, now this year he's dealing with D'Angelo who's uh, got his own issues, and you got rookies and young kids and trying to blend them all together. Yeah, I think he's done all right. I think, granted, they were. They they finished in the bottom third and they were able to get Lafreniere, so they they weren't great. But I think that what Quinn has been able to do, at least holding the ship together, I think he's done all right. So why why are they calling for his head? I don't understand that at all. It's plus, New York. Plus he's only been there five minutes as it is. I mean, <clears throat> it's New York. Well, yeah, and that's why is Lafreniere going to be better in a smaller market? That, that's why the question. Uh, I don't know. I mean, um, ultimate, ultimately, I have to say that the favorite thing about this article is the very last sentence. <laughs> and the very last sentence said, no matter what happens, somebody's not going to be happy. Yes. So I had an alternate idea. Ooh, another idea. OK. And I'm not necessarily sure that this is one that most of the NHL GMs uh, would like. Uh-huh. Everyone goes into every year with multiple multiple balls in the pool uh for to affect uh, to impact their odds, correct? Um yes. What if as part of the trades you could trade your you could trade one to uh, up to half of your ping pong balls? In any given year. <laughs> Whoa. <clears throat> so trading the pick away, being able to trade. So, so in say, say everyone's base number is 10. Yeah. Nobody's going to like this. Num- nobody's going to like this idea. Nobody's everyone's <laughs> base number is 10, regardless of where you finish with 30 or 32nd or wherever. Everyone starts with 10. If you, t- if you can say, instead of trading a first round pick, for a player prospect, whatever you trade a second round pick and ten percent or twenty percent of your of your uh, ping pong balls. <laughs> the question isn't going to be is it a good idea. The question is going to be are the bean counters going to like the idea of having to keep tabs on who gets what, how many bean ping pong balls? <laughs> They're the least concerned. <laughs> Because I think that trading your ping pong balls, I like it. it. That is outside the box. I mean, I didn't even get to that point. See, I think that that might actually be a way to make some of these trades more even. And maybe, maybe, and this one I don't actually think is practical, but I think it's entertaining, which is probably more important. What if. <clears throat> Say you're the number 
three team, number two team, whatever. Mm-hmm. In order to boost your odds at any at one draft, you sacrifice half of your half of your uh, ping pong balls, whether you for the next season. And once you make that choice, if you finish with the first overall pick, you finish with the last overall pick. You, you can't um, <clears throat> you can't trade any any more uh, ping pong balls for that season. Okay. If you're absolutely desperate to boost your odds of winning in the draft lottery and moving up. Yes. Say that, you know, picks one through seven are all somewhere between are all guys that the, everyone expects, like universal accord among the scouts. Everyone expects all seven of them to be um, to be in the Hall of Fame when they're done, if they play just 10 years. <laughs> OK. And it's not that unpractical, given the tw- the 2003 draft. And some okay, of the wait, wait. Sense. We've had one draft in like I don't know how many <laughs> years of the draft that you could actually say that. That's a very low percentage when you think about it. But say that say that there's seven guys in this dra- in an upcoming draft. Mm-hmm. If you could sacrifice half of your draft picks from the next year, or half of your odds of moving up uh, the next year to get to move from to potentially move from ten to six. Wouldn't you do that? But how? Who Wouldn't are you, you sacrificing? That? Who? Are you, how are you getting more? How are you getting more ping pong balls? Okay, say the, it's the twenty twenty four draft. Okay. <clears throat> you have a no one, and the ping pong balls haven't been pulled yet. Obviously. You call up Commissioner Bettman, who will probably still be in office at the time, and say, <laughs> "Gary, this is the year." I can't afford not to draft in the top seven this year for 2025. My franchise commits to half the number of ping pong balls. Oh, so you're giving up future ping pong balls. Okay, exactly. Okay. You're giving up future ping pong balls to get more in this draft. Correct. In the, in the current one. Okay. So you're not you're not dealing with other teams. You're just dealing with the NHL and and saying that you're you'll purely sacri- playing the odds, not the teams, not the other general managers. <laughs> purely playing the odds. We've now we've now created a new entity called the NHL Casino. <laughs> <laughs> the draft is the biggest casino in the world in well, every yeah. sport. <laughs> It would certainly be interesting. I don't know. It would certainly make things interesting, especially how would other teams react to be? Okay, the the, the 10th place team just sacrificed half their ping pong balls next year so they could move up this year. And now I don't know if I'll get There's no guarantee that sacrificing half of your ping pong balls from next year are going to help you this year at all. No, there's not. But (laughs) it might. But it might. It it would certainly make things interesting on on draft lottery night when they have to start announcing who has how many percentage of of ping pong balls. And okay, but let's just say that the worst player sacrificed 10 next year's 50 percent to increase their odds this year. So they have say and we haven't decided if he's actually going to hit the Hall of Fame or not yet. Let's just say that the worst player in that 2024 draft. And we don't know who it is because we're making this all up. Yes. Is going to be Seth Jones. The next best player is 
I don't know. Pick someone from like 2008, 2009 draft that was okay. From the 8 or 9 draft? I'm trying to think of who was okay in the 8 or 9 draft. I mean, <clears throat> let's see. 2008 entry draft. Um, after, I mean, after the first two, you had Stamkos, Doughty. Oh, that, the next okay. Two that guys was, are Gogosian, Petrangelo, Shen, Filatov, Colin Wilson, Mikhail Bodker. Okay, assume that. Evander <clears throat> Kane. Fourth overall and Eric Carlson. in 2000. Fourth overall He's in probably thinking more the eight draft, but uh, or the other draft, but. The eight draft you want? Okay, you said eight or nine, so I looked at nine since you were looking at eight. I mean, number two was Victor Hadman. Okay, no, actually, nine. it was the seven draft. But let's take the seven. <laughs> okay, after, 2007. After Patrick Kane, there's yeah. not a lot to choose from. Yes, Logan Couture, good player. Not a lot to choose. Kyle Turris, solid player. Yeah. Are either of them Hall of Famers? No. How about Kevin Shattenkirk? No. Um, Ryan McDonough? No. But say the difference is Seth Jones. P.K. Subban in the second round? Seth Jones to... Well, we're not going to say Thomas Hickey because that would be mean. Um, <laughs> okay. Seth Jones to Ryan McDonough is the split between seven and eight. Okay. Oh, you, tell me you wouldn't want to move up. <laughs> and get Seth Jones instead of Ryan McDonough? Uh, yeah, I would want to move up and get Seth Jones instead of Ryan McDonough. <laughs> Or Seth Jones instead of Kevin Shattenkirk. Oh, that, oh, see, that one's a little bit... The line there is a little bit clearer. <laughs> I mean, I like Ryan McDonough. Seth Jones still better than him, but I think that the line is a little bit murkier. Kev, or, Seth Jones and Kevin Shattenkirk, I'm, the line is pretty solid there. I'm going with Jones. Or just taking two examples from this draft, Patrick Kane and Kyle Torres. Uh, that's a pretty solid line. Obviously, I'd want to move up and get Kane. Though. Yeah, you're going to run over other general managers <laughs> to get there and make sure it happens. I like the fact that I'm employed. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? <clears throat> purely from a marketing standpoint, purely from an NHL marketing standpoint, this gets you minutes in sportscasts across the country and probably across across the globe gets you TV time. It gets you inches and columns. It gets you assuming anyone pays attention to those numbers anymore. Newspaper pages. People are going to talk. <laughs> it's going to. Yeah. Like it or not, people are going to be talking. You hear what they did. They traded out their ping pong balls this year. They, they're, they're really making a play. Yeah. It would definitely get people talking, at least in, in hockey circles. I would say that you can only do this sort of cash in where you trade half of your picks, uh, half of your ping pong balls for the ability for one year. You can only do it one in three years. Um, if you tried to do it every year, at some point you'd be down to like one eighth of your normal allotment. Well, no, no, no. You can never go below half your ping pong balls. That's so be you clearly can't do it two years in a row is what you're saying. Yes. 
because we're also allowing for trades. I mean, assuming we're allowing the trade of the ping pong balls too, which I find <laughs> oh, more, wait, we're doing more both. fascinating or practical. Yeah, see, the the the, the bean counters are not going to like you very much because now they have caps <laughs> on care. They get paid to math all day long. They can math a little harder. <laughs> oh, I I like it. We're we're not trading in humans anymore. We're not trading players. You know, we found, we've discovered that trading players is not as much fun as trading ping pong balls. <laughs> it would certainly make things more entertaining. Yes, absolutely, especially for mathematicians <laughs> and statisticians and and people who like to count things. And ah, <laughs> uh, and on that note, I don't know. I don't know where to go from here. Like I said, the last line of the article is. Uh, that you're not going to appease all 31 teams. <laughs> but I, uh, I no. the outside, you're never going to do that. But I think that as I, I think we actually came up with some interesting approaches today that yeah. <laughs> the app applicability of them might or might not be the best in the world. <laughs> okay. But Remember, the NHL is, above all things, a business in the entertainment field. Okay. Businesses are in the are, are, the job of a business is to make money. The job of an entertainment company is to entertain. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we leave you. You can find us at uh, <clears throat> you can find me at Puxage. Uh, you can certainly find me at the off wing. Uh, we post our we 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 put the show up on Podbean and we thank them every week for uh, getting us out to our listeners. Um, you can comment there. You can send us uh, your suggestions. Next week we'll be back with our add one segment. We're going to talk about a little bit about uh, Anders Bjork and some of the other young Bruins who are showing flashes of the guys they were drafted to be. Um, Chris? Uh, I'm, we have said it all and I'm certainly sold on the ping pong balls. Uh, enjoy the hockey this week. <laughs> I, I'm still, I, I am actually still floored by the ping pong balls. I had not even gone there with the trading. So that's, that's going to be my excitement for the week is just trying to, figure out ping pong balls. Take care.